to a minister, a priest, and a rabbi walk into a radio station. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci, and I'm here with Jay Oregon. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Pandora. How are you today? I'm doing okie dokie. Thank you very much. And how are you? I, I am doing okie dokie as well. Thank you very much. I find some of those old expressions work well for me when I can't remember the new ones. Just go with an old one, and it it just keeps rolling along. I don't understand the new ones, so I look really silly trying to pull them off. So I can understand. Uh, Jay and I are joined this morning by the stars of our show, and we have Reverend Eric Cherry, Rabbi Tom Alperts, and Reverend Kathy McAdams. Good morning to all three of you. And we're going to have uh, introductions by each speaker. So if you haven't listened to our show before, you'll have an idea of who's going to be talking and kind of why they're talking. And then we'll share with you our subject for the day. We're broadcasting this on Zoom. So we're all in different locations. Uh, using the technology of today to safely distance, but kind of build those bridges of communication, collaboration, and community spirit across the miles. And we hope that you enjoy today's conversation. So I'll begin with um, Rabbi Tom Alperts. And good morning, and Tom, if you could just tell us a little bit about why you've uh, decided to do this. Uh, participate in this radio show and how how things are going along today. Hi, so I am uh, Rabbi Tom Alpert. I am the uh, rabbi at Temple Etzayim here in Franklin. Um, let me answer those in no particular order. How are things going today? Um, the expression I heard someone say when asked this question is, eh, COVID fine. So <laughs> in a complex situation, uh, all well, thank you very much. Um, as to why I'm doing this, um, partially because it's a blast and I have so much fun with uh, 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 you, Pandora, with Jay, and with my uh, uh, colleagues and friends, uh, Reverend uh, Eric Cherry and uh, Reverend Kathy McAdams. It's so much fun to be part of this. And uh, uh, besides that, so I have to have a serious answer, um, besides it being fun, uh, it's also an opportunity for um, leaders of different faiths to share their uh, commonalities and the things that make them unique. And I think those are uh, both things that uh, should be shared. And uh, this is a good time to do it, this month especially, but in general. I, uh, I know that there's actually a lot to share. The last time we had a conversation was the day after the election. A lot has changed, uh, a lot has not changed, and we're still moving forward. We've uh, celebrated Thanksgiving, which really is a time that we have a, we broaden our community outlook. And I think you and your congregation uh, have been involved in, in that particular holiday and moving forward. How was that, you know, affected by the kind of constraints of COVID? Uh, me or yes. you want me? Okay, just, I'll start. <coughs> I'm sorry for so, not making that clear. No, no, I just want to make sure I, I just didn't want to take it over from our from my colleagues. But let me say briefly, uh, from our congregation's perspective, well, we had our, our wonderful 
joined Interfaith Thanksgiving service. I'll let someone else uh, tell you more about that, but it was a special experience and our congregation participated along with uh, several other of the houses of worship here in town. Um, but um, within my own synagogue, well, uh, you know, we did all the various things that we typically do. We collected uh, donations for the uh, um, uh, Franklin Food Pantry, and uh, um, we brought in, I think, substantially more this year than we've brought in. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but we continue to do that. People dropped it off, uh, dropped off the, their cans of gravy over at the, in a bin, bin at the temple, and nobody had to, you know, uh, connect up physically with people. And then on the uh, Shabbat after Thanksgiving, we've had a tradition uh, uh, for a few years uh, that we refer to as leftover Shabbat. And that is... <laughs> We start. We, we typically have had people come into the temple uh, around six o'clock, uh, which is earlier than we usually meet. And we sit around a table, we eat our leftovers, and we have a very truncated service, which is just a chance for us to sing a few table songs and be together. Okay, so this year we couldn't do that, but we did it anyway. That is to say, we still started at six. We still, uh, it, it was very informal. Uh, we we again truncated the liturgy uh people talked about the what they ate people talked about the, what they were grateful for and people talked about what they um how they adjusted to not being with as many people physically and all the various ways people did that um and it worked really well so that was you know there are so it, it was a good thanksgiving Thank you for sharing that with us, because it gives us another lens to see how Thanksgiving was celebrated across town, because I think many of us were limited and had small Zoom experiences with, with family and friends and such. But I was, I'm glad that you raised the interfaith uh, service, because it was a beautiful service. And uh, I I think, Reverend Cherry, I, I'm, you were... All three of you were a part of that and, and other uh, ministers, but you were the keynote speaker, I, I believe, that evening. I, I'm not sure if that, that's not the religious term, and I apologize for that, but you had the longer presentation. Could you, uh, you know, uh, introduce yourself and then um, share a little bit about Thanksgiving and the interfaith service? Well, thank you, Pandora, and uh, great to be with you all today. I'm Reverend Eric Cherry. I serve as the minister at First Universalist Church in Franklin, and I'm going to let you in behind the curtain a little bit on uh, uh, Thanksgiving interfaith services and clergy. Uh, so our tradition in town is that um, whoever's the most recently settled clergy person has to preach the uh, the sermon at the Thanksgiving service. It's, it's not something that we're all craving the chance to do because it's extra work during a really you know, complicated part of the year. And somehow I uh, was able to finagle my way out of it for the first two years that I served in Franklin. <laughs> so it fell to me. I couldn't, I tried my hardest to get out of it, but um, uh, no, more seriously, it was an honor and, and a privilege. And, um, you know, we, um, we struggled a lot with the question of how to do this during the COVID time. And um, is, was there a way to have a meaningful event uh, without being physically present. Um, and, you know, nine months ago, I think we all would have said impossible, you know. Mm. Uh, but over the months and 
through various experiments and um, attempts at creating community through online worship, um, we were all ready to give it a go. And, um, I, I, you know, I, th I thought, I, I certainly felt connected with the, with the folks that were gathering that, um, that evening. And I think we shared a, uh, a healing word. And, um, and it as I say, it was, uh, I think somebody told me that the uh, participation was higher than it usually is, which is great. I mean, it's one of those takeaways from the COVID time that, you know, everything really needs to be hybrid from now until forever uh, because mm. um, it's a, it's a really nice way to include more people. Um, so um, yeah, that, that uh, I, I thought it was a pretty special evening. Um, and just for what it's worth, my Thanksgiving was, um, was very low key. Uh, my wife and I celebrated, we cooked as if there were going to be 12 people, but it was <laughs> only the two of us and uh, we're still eating leftovers. And uh, as you say, Pandora sort of zoomed with small groups of people throughout the day. Uh, the church um, had opportunities for people to gather, to feel um, the sense of connection and um, we uh, participated with um, in the effort that Tom already described for the supporting the Franklin Food Pantry, and um, and that's um, that's all for the good. Thank you, and Jay, um, I think you were going to comment. Well, I was I was just going to ask actually all three of you. I was out on the common. Uh, we did Santa on the common uh, last weekend. It did it differently instead of kids coming up and sitting on Santa's lap, we, uh, they drove by and Santa stood on the side of the road. Um, I, it, but it made me think wondering, um, because of the, just because of the way we were set up, if we'd interfere with uh, people coming to St. Mary's. My question is, I'm not fully aware, are anyone of the three of you doing, allowing anybody in person or is it full, still fully remote for everybody. We, we haven't really touched on that since we started the show. Uh, and believe it or not, I think this is our fifth or sixth show. Um, so, up, it, it, you know, uh, Kathy, if you want to update uh, kind of on what you guys are doing, and if you know a little bit about what the rabbi and Reverend Eric are doing, that would be great. Sure. Well, um, St. John's is fortunate to have a lovely lawn in front of the church. So during the warm months, we were worshiping together outside. Um, and Well, I, sh I should start by introducing myself. I'm Kathy McAdams. I'm the priest at St. John's Episcopal Church and uh, happy to be with you. So November 1st, the congregation moved inside for worship. We had all the windows open, even though the heat wasn't working. And uh, <laughs> we, we gathered about 20 people. We were able to do that for a few weeks. And as of the 22nd, we have gone back to fully remote um, just to keep everyone safe because, of course, all the numbers are, are rising and our, our bishop really encouraged all the congregations in the diocese to, to go remote. And so we took that guidance and, and are doing that. Um, that means that we have five or six people in the church putting on the service. Uh, myself, our deacon Maggie Geller, um, our music director, and another musician, um, sometimes a soloist, and then the person that's running all the technology. 
so that's what we've been doing. I wanted to go back to the Thanksgiving service, which was very wonderful. I loved Eric's message. Uh, Mary Deal from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints directs our interfaith choir, and she was. Uh, they were able to put together a um, an audio recording with uh, with photos of all of the choir. Uh, really, really beautiful recording. Um, and then there was some live music as well. And, and all of the clergy were in our respective sanctuaries in, in our religious garb. So um, there, there really was a sense of community there. And one of the best things is that we raised over $1,100 for the Fuel Assistance Fund for Franklin. Uh, that's something we, that service is always, uh, there's always a collection for the fuel assistance fund at that service. And we were able to do that online as well. So that was, um, that was quite an accomplishment. Well, let me just say, and let me just add about the fuel assistance fund. Um, once upon a time I served as treasurer, which meant I was the person who was in, uh, direct contact with it. Um, I'm not doing that anymore, but <laughs> I want to let people know if you are in, if, if there's someone in Franklin, who is in real need of fuel assistance? In other words, your risk—you have in serious risk that you're going, your fuel's going to be cut off, and you're going to be freezing in your house. Contact either <clears throat> your own clergy person if you're part of the the, the house of worship, or if not, uh, our current treasurer is Father Brian Manning of St. Mary's. So contact Father Manning, let him know, or also at Saint, through St. Saint Mary's is uh, St. Vincent de Paul, which does uh, mm. great work on this and doesn't care what religion you are. If, so if you're in need, contact us and, and we can get you some, uh, some fuel assistance. And, uh, you know, uh, I just want to make sure people know about this resource because it's really important. Can I just add to that? Um, if they would go, if you go to the parish website under St. Vincent de Paul, there is a phone number. Uh, the staff, pretty much uh, the volunteer staff, work out of their homes. So the phone is checked, and then um, two volunteers will return your call. One will make the call, the other will share in on the call and talk to you and guide you over the phone. So it's a very uh, easy, straightforward process. And the St. Vincent de Paul Society works for the entire town of Franklin, as Rabbi Tom said, not just for the parish. So um, if you are in need of help to be able to reach out to them, um, that's a good thing to know. Well, I, I think, uh, go ahead, Reverend Kathy. I just wanted to add that if anyone still would like to make a donation to that fund, uh, go to the Franklin Interfaith Council website franklininterfaith.org, and there's a donation button, and that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. You know what? I, I Not that this will help because I don't have many friends on Facebook, let alone in real life, but I'll put it out there uh, after we're done with the show. I think that's a, a great, uh, one of the great things you folks do, uh, and as we've always said, this is your show. Anything we can do even outside of the show, to enhance what you folks are doing, Pandora and I are are all in. So I may email you guys to get a little bit more information. 
but we'll we'll start really pumping it out there because it it is it's starting to get cold. Nights nights are cold. I, I did want to ask, and, and we've answered this a lot already, but have you folks, the three of you, it changed anything from say when you started doing everything remote? I'm sure you've learned, we've all learned, we've gotten a little better at this Zoom thing, hopefully. Uh, what have you guys had to do to kind of adapt or change to 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 enhance what you're doing, what you started doing back in the spring? And why don't we go to uh, Rabbi Tom first? Uh, let's see. Have I learned something? Probably everything <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> You know, they, yeah. this was not one of those courses that I uh, studied when I was uh, learning to be a rabbi, uh, how to how to run a, a, a TV show. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, we've gotten a bunch of equipment, uh, much of it thanks to a grant from Combined Jewish Philanthropies, which was enormously helpful to us. We have uh, some congregants who were uh, uh, involved in working on this. Uh, we've... Uh, got uh, um, visual prayer in Hebrew, we call it visual tefillah, which we have uh, purchased uh, to make the, the, to have PowerPoint slides so that uh, I'm not just skipping through a book online, but people can actually mm. see what's going on. Um, I've, uh, you know, learned how to lead a service uh, to a camera with nobody else in the synagogue, which is what typically happens on Friday nights. So, you know, um, we figured out how to deal with uh, having, typically after our Friday night services, we have something called Oneg Shabbat, which means the joy of the Sabbath, which is essentially a collation, a chance to get together. It's like uh, uh, churches having coffee hours, same kind of thing. Um, so we've learned how to do that uh, online, which is another interesting experience. So, you know, all of that kind of thing. It, it uh has to be, you talked about jokingly, your training and you, you never took a course, which no one ever took a course to do this. None of the people, and, and I want to make sure they're taking a little bit of heat this week, teachers get the credit for what they're doing because the, my daughter spent five years in school training to be a teacher and not one course did it have to do with remote learning or anything like that. Uh, it, how has that, how do you bring you folks work on the energy of a service when you're doing it, but you're, you're talking into a camera? Uh, are, you, are you able to see faces? Do you do it so you can see the faces of your parishioners? I, I just, I, it amazes me how you folks are able to pull it off with no one there because I think the energy of people being in the respective locations is huge. So uh, Reverend Eric, how do you deal with that or how do you cope with it? Or do you guys just not follow the rules and have 150 people in there? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question, Jay. Um, uh, so on the sort of um, the restriction side, uh, we, we are fully remote. Um, we did start broadcasting from our sanctuary in September. Two or three of us are there, uh, but um, 
we the 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 door is not open for people to come into the meeting house for services and we can't wait until that's that's changed um i am not sure that we actually uh, have figured out how to um to, to replicate that experience of um uh, of, of being physically together for services. We do get to, I do get to see the faces of, of uh, parishioners. We use um, Zoom, so so they are in front of me, that helps. Um, we use the, the chat box to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, um, react during services, that, that helps. Um, but I don't want to pretend that I've figured out how to um, replicate the, you know, that very, a unique human experience of being in the same room together and feeling this presence of the spirit. Um, it's just different. And um, uh, we, um, we try, I, I would say on, on sort of a, the, the, to the larger question, what we're trying to do is provide um, experiences for people throughout the week of mm. presence, like in the moment experiences of connection and, um, uh, faith development, and also always having uh, something to look forward to, something that's coming up. So if today is hard, which it often is, and if being present and feeling connected today just isn't working, to have something from a faith perspective that's coming up that might just um, heal, uh, provide some healing, some connection to look forward to, um, is uh, is sort of um, the second uh, level of what we're what we're trying to offer. Geez, I think that that is that's a great uh, answer, and thank you for telling me. I had a great question. I did make a note of that. Uh, so when someone comes back and says, "What are you doing?" I can let them know. In December, I asked a great question, uh, but I think it also leads us into our our next subject. We're, we're heading into winter. Things are going to be a, a little more challenging. Winter is a more challenging time for a lot of people. Pandora, I know you had some questions. Why don't you go ahead? I think when, when we look at winter, and uh, there is a lot to celebrate about winter, but there is, uh, because many of us love to be outdoors, the change of season, the colder temperatures, kind of change things up a little bit in the kitchen. If you're a cook, you use different herbs and spices and you use root vegetables instead of fruits. It's a, it's a different season and, and we come together differently um, with family and friends. And during COVID, it's been uh, ways, we've tried out, uh, to go back to Reverend Jerry, we try uh, different ways of meeting and gathering and, and seeing what works and what doesn't work and I what I we always have a, a prompt for our discussions and what I liked about this prompt is that it just wasn't holidays it was the winter season so we're looking at three four five months and we've touched a little bit on how our religious services are going to be different but how are you and your congregation in in conversation coming up saying this isolation is challenging, or this lack of a spontaneous conversation is hard, or I'm struggling not being with the members of my congregation uh, to celebrate my faith in, in person. I'm, I'm thinking those conversations might be happening uh, online, 
socially distanced, but they're happening. And how are you envisioning moving forward through these next three, four, or five months? And I would, uh, I, I think Kathy, uh, excuse me, Reverend McAdams, you didn't have an opportunity to chime in on the last one, uh, last conversation, I think as we we're circling around. So I'll begin with you. And um, if you would start the conversation off looking at the winter months. Sure. Um, oh, you know, it's just hard. It's just really hard not being able to gather, even though we were able to do that recently. Um, we can see each other on Zoom, uh, you know, occasionally coming in and out of the office, we'll see individuals. And one thing that uh, Maggie, our deacon, and I did this past Sunday is we delivered St. Nicholas cookies to everyone in the congregation, as well as uh, kits to make Advent wreaths for families with young children. And, you know, just showing up at somebody's door and handing them a bag and having a few words of conversation is, is really special. Um, we're going to try to do that with communion bread for Christmas as well. Um, so those kinds of just brief but but in-person interactions. We're, we're also trying to continue some of our work in the community. Um, there's an interfaith food insecurity task force that grew out of um, the First Universalist Society um, and is now expanding to the whole interfaith council. And so that's you know, that's good work uh, in conjunction with the Franklin Food Pantry, just to think about uh, folks who don't always have enough food and how we can uh, reach out to them better. Um, also, St. John's always does a giving tree to benefit the, the Santa Foundation, and uh, we're doing that online this year. So, so continuing as many of our traditions as possible and also trying to expand those kinds of things. And then, you know, we're in the Christian tradition, we're in the season of Advent. And that's a time when we're, we're waiting for the birth of our Savior. Uh, we're waiting for the second coming of Christ. It's end times. It's also the beginning of the church year. It's the new birth of Jesus. And, and then, you know, the death that leads to resurrection and new promise. So there's just a lot, a lot that's part of that season. Um, and that gives us hope. I like your words. They intertwine some uh, very human, non-religious um, acts that we do every day with the traditions, the faiths, with the traditions and the beliefs of the faith. And you're you're intertwining those together as you reach out into the community. And I think that that's a a, a strong pathway to make your way through is to take the basic teachings and how do we uh, put them into our daily life in 2020 and what, the, what that looks like. Um, Reverend Eric, can you kind of pick up that thread and take us to what's going on with the Universalist Church? Well, I, I really love the way that Reverend Kathy is describing this too. And it, it reminds me that, um, you know, the basic religious task hasn't actually changed. It, it's to, it's to, um, it's to live lives of meaning in a faith context. It's just that how we do that now is so much more complicated. It's, it, we don't know how to do that now, in fact. Um, and um, resting in tradition 
is such a, a such a, an excellent way of trying to um, trying to continue to do that. Um, we're also um, trying to do that at, at FUSF, and um, one of the um, uh, the ways is is to lift up various um, holiday traditions during this time of year. So um, we'll be celebrating the solstice on the 20th of December. And there's a really nice coincidence this year. Um, the solstice sundown at Stonehenge in England uh, is happening at 11 a.m. this year on December 20th, Sunday, December 20th. Nobody's allowed to go to Stonehenge in person. Uh, and they're live streaming the sundown. Uh, so we'll be closing our um, our blue solstice service on that Sunday with watching together the um, uh, the sundown over um, over Stonehenge and uh, hoping that you know that'll have a um, a feeling that'll that'll create a, a feeling of connectedness for folks. Um, we're also going to try something new with um, one of our Christmas Eve services this year. We we have an eight o'clock Christmas Eve services service of carols and lessons. And um, we're going to do a, a drive-in option. Uh, so, you know, we got um, an FM transmitter for the parking lot and uh, a 12-foot projection screen. And it'll be exactly the same experience of, uh, as zooming in from home, but in the parking lot. And uh, um, we're doing, you know, a lot of restrictions for, uh, for the sake of safety. But... Um, hoping that uh, being able to lift a, a candle out of your car window as we sing Silent Night is going to, you know, have a little bit of, um, of, of, of healing power for folks. Um, and um, somebody in the congregation pointed out that, uh, that the holiday break this year is going to be an especially strange, unsettled uh, time for, uh, for both adults and kids. Uh, and, um, so we're 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 putting together what we're calling uh, the twelve days of FUSF, our, our congregation's acronym, and um, having uh, a morning and an evening activity each of those twelve days of Christmas uh, that is mostly online, but occasionally socially distanced and uh, in person um, for uh, for kids uh, or for intergenerational community or or for adults and. Hope that'll help folks that are going to be feeling at very loose ends uh, in an unusual way uh, this holiday break um, as well. And lastly, j just want to say that um, the looking ahead uh, piece of the puzzle, uh, I think, really is important that uh, the darkest days of the year um, can start to feel a little bit more survivable, manageable, if you can imagine the... Um, uh, the, the sun rising again, and um, one of the uh, one of the things that we're going to be lifting up and that I'm lifting up is um, uh, that um, the temple and FUSF will be having a, a pulpit and a pew exchange uh, over Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday weekend, um, and uh, that is something to await uh, and to um, to really look forward to. Um, even when, um, you know, when the news and the experience of injustice uh, and the simple darkness of the season um, can get very heavy, that, um, uh, there's, there's, that, there's a, that there is a path forward.
I, I, Reverend Eric, I thought that was fantastic, the way you kind of explained that and talked about it. And I, I wonder, Rabbi Tom, I know all of you do some kind of work, and, and you probably have uh, people that are members of your parish. The, one of the big things we keep reading about, and it's going to be tougher going into the winter, is the mental health of people. Um, and it is a real struggle. Even young kids are going through it now that have never gone through it before. And I'm sure there are parents that just have no idea how to handle it. Because again, we never took a course on how to do this kind of show. You didn't watch your parents do the same thing to you growing up. So how are you guys dealing with that part? Uh, you know, winter tends to be a little more challenging for a lot of people. Rabbi, what what are you guys doing, or and do you do anything formally? Is it just a an approach to people? So um, I'm glad you asked that uh, because that's actually was that a was that a great question or just a good question? I thought it was an excellent question. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going to just sit back and listen now <laughs> because. Um, there is an organization um, uh, in Boston called the Ruderman Synagogue Inclusion Project, which has been focused on bringing folks um, with disabilities and other uh, uh, limitations that, that, that have gotten in their way of, of being part of uh, synagogue life into larger synagogue life. Uh, the, the, and they just awarded our synagogue a grant of money to uh, deal with mental health programming this uh, year, starting now through the end of May. And so we're getting together and we have several programs we're looking at. And we're planning to have, I think, probably three programs uh, on mental health uh, as a gift for our congregation. And so, uh, you know, for people to have a chance to talk about these things with professionals. Um, and uh, I'm so that's uh, that's the major thing we're doing in this time, and I uh, want to give them all, as we say in, in Hebrew, all the kavod, all the uh, honor for uh, coming up with that and giving us a chance to do it. To, to move on to the, the issue of the, the holiday season and how that connects up. Um, so uh, uh, Hanukkah starts Thursday night, which we celebrate for eight nights. And... Uh, Hanukkah has a lot of meanings. It's all of which I think in some way or the other boil down to resilience. It's a story of the victory of the weak over the strong and the opportunity to, uh, for groups that are oppressed to overcome their oppression, particularly relevant, I think, this year. Uh, it's about identity and having a sense of pride in who you are that is going to be important to, going forward. It's about miracle and the opportunity that there are going to be things that, that, that you know, we didn't expect. I don't think anybody expected that the success rate on the vaccines was going to be in the 90s. You know, we were thinking 60s maybe. 90s is amazing. And it gives us some hope. And that then gets to, to perhaps my favorite Hanukkah story, which is um, there was a debate over that how you lit the eight lights of Hanukkah. Did you start with eight and go down each night? And there was an argument for that. Or did you start at one and add a different candle each night, which is in fact what we do. Um, and 
um, the explanation that sort of when this argument took place and it's recorded in the Talmud, the, 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 the winning argument, the, the, the mic drop argument was in matters of holiness, we always increase. And so uh, it is my hope that this year we're going to increase holiness. Hanukkah is typically a, a home holiday. We have, we do light a menorah at our synagogue. We have this great big, uh, menorah that congregants built, which we light uh, the kerosene lamps. It's very cool. And people come in for that, but of course they won't be, but we'll still light it. Um, but otherwise it's basically a home holiday. But this year we have come up with all kinds of programs for people. So in their homes, they feel connected to other folks. Um, and we're also doing um, one in-person event uh, on the Sunday uh, at late evening, late afternoon, around 4.30, uh, that you have to sign up through the temple website to register. But you can drive in your cars, and we'll have an FM station. We'll read a story, uh, a light a menorah for people to see, and then we're going to put people out in small socially distanced groups, uh, you know, a few people each time, who will light a, um, light, a light and send it on, out on the water so that uh, there will be, it will be bringing, you know, biodegradable, we checked with the town, everything's fine. Uh, it's going to be a beaver pond. Um, but it will be a chance to, uh, to, to spread that light. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, the governor has put in some new restrictions, but I'm fairly confident that because of the way we've got the structure, we're going to be within those. Uh, and uh, obviously we will insist on being within them or we won't do it. But I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, quite confident that it's all going to work out and uh, that's going to be special for us and for anyone who wants to join just plan to stay in your car for the vast majority of the time <laughs> that's that's awesome that's awesome pandora okay am i there we go listening to um, the three of you share the different uh stories about what it is that you are doing um reminded me of a professor that i had who would say, you need to celebrate the small wins. That often in life, we wait for that gigantic big win before we do anything. And as we help people these days through uh, being isolated or through loneliness or through that it's just been such a long time uh, that we've been in this state, uh, we can help them to celebrate the small wins that what they did, how they came out, how they connected, that they had the courage to uh, log on to a Zoom call when it was frightening for them and they had never done it before and thought that they couldn't, but they did. And coming out to these different ways of using drive-in uh, movie technology from the 50s, but in a 2020 way of doing it and gathering and reaching out across the world that you are all sharing and you're intertwining those with helping communities in need with food insecurities. Um, it's just amazing all that is happening in Franklin to keep people uh, healthy and alive and aware of what we need to do to help people maintain that. Jay, I think, Pandora, it, 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 you bring up a great point. First of all, you know, we're all kind of in a a similar age range, if you will. Uh, Kathy, sorry, didn't mean to make you a little bit older. 
uh, like the rest of us. But to hear that drive, oh, yes, you too, Reverend Eric. My, I should say, it's just me. I'm the only one that's older here. Uh, but to hear the drive-ins are being used again for such different purposes, whether it's a concert, whether it's a church service or something, I, I think is one of the, the real neat things out there because people used to go to the drive-in all the time. We went growing up and then all of a sudden you see them shutting down, shutting down left and right. And, and I honestly, I only know of two. I know one in Mended and one in Wellfleet on the Cape, but they seem to be getting a lot more use. And I think that's, you're gonna see some good come out of everything because we're gonna find different ways of, of doing it. Uh, Kathy, uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to respond you know, kind of what you folks are doing, how you're handling all that. And I also know you have uh, an awesome focus point for us to, to kind of bring things home. Sure. Um, one of the things that I forgot to mention is that uh, tradition at St. John's every year is to have um, a Christmas pageant where the children of the parish uh, sing and tell the story of Jesus's birth. And, um, you know, it's always, we usually have two services on Christmas Eve. So the pageant is the earlier one. And um, obviously we can't do that this year, but there's a group of people who are taking pieces of the video from last year's pageant and uh, piecing it together with new video of children telling the story in their own words. And so once that video is complete, we're going to have a watch party on Zoom and we can all enjoy that together. Um, so yeah, I, I second what Tom said about um, not learning about all this technology in seminary. And oh, that's that's been a, a learning curve, but thank God we have it. You know, thank God we have this option and that we don't have to just all stay in our homes and, um, not connect at all. So whether it's an FM transmitter or a Zoom call or whatever, we, we are able to do that now. I wanted to share a, uh, a recording. It's In the Bleak Midwinter, which the, the poem is by English poet Christina Rossetti, and it was set to music by Gustav Holst. And this particular recording is performed by Choir Cleveland, conducted by Ross Dufin.
is a beautiful reflection over the, I think this is our sixth show. And over the months we've had different reflections and stories and prayers and, and to select music as another way of, of communicating and, and sharing thoughtfulness of, of a particular season. It was lovely. Did, is this a particular piece of music uh, a favorite of yours, Kathy? Reverend it is, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, you know, it speaks to the darkness of winter as well as the, the religious holiday. I thought it was great. Uh, I, I, that was, that was really neat, Reverend Kathy. Thank you so much. I, I hope our listeners are able to appreciate it. You can also watch the video, which is kind of neat to see the singers on YouTube. So thank you so much for that. Uh, as we get ready to close here, just wonder if uh, Rabbi Tom or, or Reverend Eric have anything more to add. Kathy, if you want to follow up that uh, that beautiful song, you're more than welcome to. Uh, anything as we... Go ahead, Rabbi Tom. I would, actually. Um, I want to say uh, thank you. I thought that was lovely. And one of the things that I enjoy about this program, I started off by talking about the... Uh, uh, things that we have uh, uh, in common, also the things that make each of us unique. And to hear something from, uh, to hear a beautiful song like that from the Christian tradition, uh, I found to be very moving and uh, made me feel, uh, you know, connected and, and like I was behind the curtain a little bit at, uh, uh, you know, a, a tradition different from my own. So I thought that was special and uh, uh, wanted to thank you for that. Tom, I want to say one of my one of my fondest memories is um, last Christmas Eve, looking out in my congregation and seeing Rabbi Tom there. It was such a wonderful surprise, and then he invited me to come and and share Hanukkah with his congregation, which I which I did, and that was so beautiful. So, what a nice crossover! Yeah, remember we could all be in person. Oh well, we move on. <laughs> yes, it was lovely. <laughs> I want to appreciate too, and uh, just uh, share with our um, listening audience that uh, when you find yourself in uh, the bleak midwinter this season, um, take a risk, uh, reach out. Uh, houses of worship throughout our community are, are here for you. And, um, and we hope and trust that, um, that you'll find us uh, in your need. That, that's great, Reverend Eric. We do win it. Yeah. Folks that are listening, uh, aren't sure how to get in touch with uh, any one of the three that are part of our show that are our entire show. You can reach out to Pandora and or I or Franklin TV and radio. And we'll get you in touch right away. Uh, the other thing, the I just want to bring up, give it a chance again, um, the fuel assistance program. Um, we're going to promote that. Just a quick uh again if if someone uh could just remind our listeners the best way to reach out for that rabbi tom uh, yeah. that would be great it, by the way this works for both getting hold of the fuel assistance program and getting hold of any one of us because our websites are connected through this if yeah. you go to franklininterfaith.org spelled as it sounds <laughs> franklininterfaith.org. If you click on donations, that money will go to the Fuel Assistance Fund. 
if you click on the websites of the particular uh, houses of worship, that'll connect you there with them as well. So please uh, connect up with us and connect up with the Fuel Assistance Fund. We both need you. And one more time on that website. FranklinInterfaith.org. I'm just a very slow typer, so. Never uh, hurts to repeat. FranklinInterfaith.org. Right. Uh, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, as we head towards the, the holidays, Christmas and everything, Hanukkah, uh, I, I have to say that just doing this show, I'm really thankful for. It's a change of pace uh, that I think is just excellent. If you'd asked me a year ago if I'd be involved with a show like this, I, I, I have to say I'd probably say no, but I am so lucky that Pandora and you folks came up with the idea and it, just to allow me to drag it down a little bit, I'm, I'm very much appreciative of. So I, I thank all of you there and I'm going to let Pandora finish things off here. I echo um, Jay's thanks. I thank you, Reverend Kathy McAdams. I thank you, Reverend Eric Cherry. And I thank you, Rabbi Tom. Each week I learn, I process, I reflect on the conversation and what is shared. And I'm thinking that people listening to the show do the same thing. It's really a nice resource for us to have. And the fact that we have an interfaith council in our town is such a blessing, such a kindness, and it speaks to the town of Franklin. And if you're just looking for something a little to do that's safe and uh, in the evening, you might drive down East Central Street, Main Street, around the town common. It's well lit up. It's absolutely beautiful. The trees, the town common, it's bright. Uh, we have a wonderful DPW in Franklin that helped to do this along with a lot of community volunteers who did a lot of decorating, but um, it's something that you can do um, safely. And, and uh, I know the uh, high school hockey team, uh, boys hockey team was very involved with the decorating. So just a, a shout out to them as well. I'm going to have to give a shout out to the girls hockey team because <laughs> they were there for the decorating of the bridge, the, the bridge and all the pots of uh, plants that you see around the downtown. So our both hockey awesome. team and our high school, I mean, again, it speaks to our community. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, it, thank you folks again for your time, everybody listening. Um, we are going to wrap it up here. We will see you next time on a priest, a minister, and a rabbi walked into a TV station. I'm Jay Horrigan for Pandora Carlucci and our, our Rabbi Tom, Reverend Kathy, and Reverend Eric want to wish everybody a safe and happy holiday season. Mm -hmm.